were missed greatly, my friend. You really were. Those are like the, all the voices that they had may have been part of their voices, but that was all of their hearts, and you do that every week. And Neely, you rocked it. Where's she at? Where'd she go? She gone. She gone. There's a colonel in the, in the army that was in his office, and he could see through the window there was a man walking, and it was a new private that just uh, joined the army. And that private came and knocked on his door, and wanting to impress that, that private, he grabbed the phone and picked it up and waved the private to come into the office, and he began talking. He said, yes, sir, Mr. President, I'll get on this right away. You've got the right man for the job. And, and while I have you on the phone, say hi to the missus, the first lady, for me. And then he hung up the phone and looked at the private and said, what do you want? Just in a very angry, kind of mean, stern way. And the private said, nothing, sir, I'm here to fix the phone. If you open up your Bible to Colossians chapter 2, now there's so many voices that we have to listen to, and that has always been the case. If I were to describe to you this week what the Apostle Paul and God through the Apostle Paul was saying to the early church, to the church in Colossae, and to us today, it is be careful what you listen to. In other words, he was fixing the phone. Because we can listen to a lot of things, but the voice of truth is where we need to lend our ear. And uh, there was a song, I don't know if you remember, there's a song called Voice of Truth. I believe, if I remember correctly, it was uh, Stephen Curtis Chapman that wrote it, but Phillips Craig and Dean that made it popular back in the early 2000s, if I remember my, my timeline. And and that song went something like this. First verse and chorus went like this. Oh, what I could do to have the kind of faith it takes to climb out of this boat I'm in onto the crashing waves, to step out of my comfort zone into the realm of the unknown where Jesus is, and he's holding out his hand. That's a picture of Peter, right? And Jesus walking on the waters, and Jesus, Peter, come on, you can do it. And Peter did. He stepped out, and he walked on the water. Oh, that I could have that kind of faith. But it goes on to say in that, in that verse, but the waves are calling out my name and they laugh at me, reminding me of all the times I've tried before and failed. The waves, they keep on telling me time and time again, boy, you'll never win. You'll never win. And then the chorus, but the voice of truth tells me a different story. The voice of truth says, do not be afraid. And the voice of truth says, this is for my glory. Out of all the voices calling out to me, I will choose to listen and believe the voice of truth. So as you grab your copy of the voice of truth that we have in our hands, Scripture, God's Word, that's what we're going to do. We are going to choose to listen to the voice of truth today. We got to, out of all the voices calling out our name, out of all the things on the phone, we're going to fix the phone today and lend our ear to God's word, and let's dive in. Colossians chapter 2, beginning in verse 6. This is building on all the things that he said already, and so if you missed all of what we talked about in the Colossians already, if I were to sum it up, I would just say this. Christ Jesus is supreme. Christ Jesus is supreme. And so Paul has gone at great lengths at this point 
to tell the, the early church that he loves them and, and that God desires for them to experience all the fullness that, that, that they could ever experience. And last week we talked about where that fullness comes from, where, where that begins and where we grow in that fullness, that completeness that God has for us. And where was that? That was in Jesus because he is supreme. He is the word of God that gives life and gives joy and gives it to the full. And so it says in verse 6, therefore. That's why he says, therefore, because Christ is supreme, because Christ is sufficient, because Christ can give you all that you need, therefore, that's what we ask. When we, anytime we see a therefore, why is the therefore? What is it therefore? Therefore, because Christ is supreme. Christ is supreme. Therefore, it says this as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. So it's built on all that he said already, but he says, therefore, as you receive, so these are people who have received Christ Jesus as Lord. They have put their faith in Jesus Christ. They've already experienced the fullness of God that is in Christ. So having done that, having come to that point in their life where they have put faith in Jesus Christ and, and been made new, the old is gone and the new has come, there is a command. It says, so walk in him. It's the first of the two commands in the passage. It says, so walk in him. And so it's not kind of, it's one of those things in the life of a believer that, that it's not just that we put our faith in Jesus, there is a command for us to walk in him. It's not supposed to be an option for us to, to walk with Jesus once we put our faith in him. It is a command. So walk in him. And then it describes what that looks like. And this language is similar to the language we had last week when we read Ephesians chapter 3, uh, verses 18 and following Paul's prayer for the church of Ephesus. But look at it. It says, as you walk in him, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him. We root ourselves in Christ. He is the word of life that gives us life. Root yourself in him and established in the faith just as you were taught. And so there's this rooting, there's a building, and then over time there's an establishing, and then there is an abounding in thanksgiving. Four things. If we are to 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 anchor ourselves, if we are to walk in Christ, we root ourselves, we build ourselves up in him, he is the word, then we become established as we commit ourselves to the, that over and over and over, and then that leads to a thanksgiving, a gratitude in our life, looking back on all the incredible things that God has done. Verse 8, see to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to to Christ. Some of your versions may say the beginning of verse eight, verse 8 says, beware, beware. So there is a word of a caution. And that, by the way, is the second command. It's not like a, an option. It's not an option that we walk in Christ once we put our faith in Jesus Christ, nor is it an option of whether we should be walking in an awareness that there is an enemy and, and there is a deceitfulness out there. There are voices out there, so to speak, calling out our name. And that's what Paul is trying to say. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. And look what it says. He's going to restate what he said in chapter 1. For in him, in Christ, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. In Christ, the whole, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have been filled in him. And so God, 
that Jesus is fully God and he is fully in you is the short of what Paul is saying. In him, verse 11, oh, who is the head? In him, who is the head of all rule and authority? He is supreme. He is the head over all powers, over all authorities, over all supreme things. He is supreme. In him, also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. I'm going to come back to that in a little bit. Having been buried with him in baptism in which you were raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. So Paul is taking them back at this point. He's taking them back to, hey, remember when you heard about Jesus being the Savior? Remember when you heard? Remember, remember who, he, who they heard about Jesus from? You remember who that was? Go back to chapter, chapter 1. Remember who that was? It was a guy who loved them. It was Epaphras. Epaphras loved them enough. He found Christ. He heard about Christ from Paul. He's like, man, I got to tell my people. I got to tell my hometown. So remember when you heard is, is what you're saying. And then remember when you responded to that truth and you put your faith in Jesus Christ and you were dead in your sin and now you are alive in Christ. That's what it says. You were raised with him through faith. How do you access this salvation? Through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. And you who were once dead in your trespasses, and it continues to describe that moment, and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. Oh, remember the day when you put your faith in Jesus Christ where you were in your trespasses and then you no longer were not. All of your sins have been canceled. I love that. All of those things that stood against the legal demands This he set aside, where nailing it to the cross. The means of the canceling of our sin is the cross. All of those sins, all of my sins. And that's a lot, (laughs) y'all. All of your sins, and that's a lot, y'all. All of it. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. Would you keep your copy of God's word in your hand? I want to highlight a few things in here, specifically verse 8, when it starts talking about there is a, there is a huge, I was trying to think of a good word, a dichotomy, a, a paradox, a, a uh, contradiction, a uh, contrast, lots of words I could put here, between the warning in verse 8 and what that leads us to and then the promises that are in verse 9 and following. And so these, these voices of untruth, so to speak, what do they lead to? They lead to death. See to it that no one takes you captive. They lead to captivity by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition. These things lead to captivity. They, they lead to the, the, the lack of freedom. They lead to bondage and they lead to to death, it describes that in verse 12 and following, that these trespasses, these, these things, they lead, they lead to death. But verse 8, it, it describes three things that, that will hold us captive. There's philosophy and empty deceit. That's the first. This empty deceit, specifically according to human tradition, I think that's a, that's a separate one. I'm going to come back to that. And the spirits of the world. I believe that Paul was, was talking to specific voices, and we're going to 
unpack this a little more. It's kind of like a, as we go through the book of Colossians, it's a little bit like here's the truth, and we're, 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 we're still learning the essence of that truth in the book of Colossians, and we're going to take it like an onion and kind of peel it a little bit each week. Uh, but, but this week, we're, we're learning a little bit about, about what these deceits, what, what this Colossian heresy that we've been talking about the past several weeks, what, it, what specifically was this that Paul was addressing? So it says philosophy. Well, what is that philosophy? What is Paul referring to? I believe he's, he's talking to any man-made, systematized worldview that would be a voice to say, hey, if you want to get to where you want to go in life, Here's the pathway. Here, here's, the, here's the way you think. Here's what you do. Here's what you don't do. Any of those things, he says, these philosophies, these, these ways, these means to what you might want in life. And so here, you be you. We have so many voices today. They're different than what they were back in those days. But man, there's so many philosophies in these days. And they're just voices. They're noise. They're clatter that the enemy puts out there. They're deceitfulness that he's trying to ensnare us and hold us captive. And then it says, the traditions of men. I believe that's talking about those who knew some or some of the Jewish believers in those days, th- those things in the Jewish tradition that, that if taken to the extreme become legalism. Like if you do these things, you'll be okay and you'll be right. I believe that, that, re- that, that, was, that Jesus said the same thing back in Mark chapter 7 and verse 8 and Matthew chapter 15 verses 2 to 9 where Jesus used that same terminology, the traditions of men, as he was talking to the legalists, the, the, the legalizers, the, the Pharisees of the day. So let's be careful about those people. We're going to talk about that a little bit next week. And then the elements of this world, I believe that he's talking in Colossians, uh, he's talking to a, a Roman-ruled area. And so they very much were dominated by pantheism. That was the, the religion of the day uh, for the Romans. And what is that? Like lots and lots of gods, all these gods. And they're making them up, and, and they worship them. Even the, even the emperor himself was a god. And, and so he's one of the many, and maybe even the highest for a lot of people. And so, so he says, See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, whatever all these gods are, you name it. Man, there's lots of people that over the years have made up their own and and lots of religions that have made up lots of different ones or one that's different from the one that aligns with Scripture. Here's what he says, beware, because all of those things will leave you empty, no matter what it is. All of those things will leave you empty, and that leads to verse 9 is the opposite, is in Jesus you will be full. You'll be the opposite of empty. In Jesus, in him, the whole fullness of the deity dwells bodily. So in other words, Jesus is not one God among, it's not a a God among many. He is one among one. Does that make sense? That's what he's saying. That Jesus is not just some some teacher that, that teaches some really good things, that works some miracles, that had some power. Jesus is not just a kind of leader or a spiritual leader. Jesus is not just some, some person who, who may have had these special powers. Jesus is more than that. He's so much more than that. Jesus is supreme. He is not a God. He is God. He is the God. And so you have this contrast, this dichotomy between empty deception and the fullness of truth that we find in Jesus Christ. It reminds me, Several years ago, I had the privilege of going to Germany on a mission trip, and the, the essence of the mission trip was we went to teach baseball to German kids. 
because baseball is not a big sport over there. Did that through our sending church, Crossroads Baptist Church of the Woodlands, and and uh, I had an incredible time. We 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 loved. I, I'm not a particularly a baseball player. I did my best, uh, and uh, it was so fun. Germany is a beautiful country with beautiful people. And while we were there, we went north, kind of on a sightseeing trip one day. And I was looking around, and we went to this town called Hamlin. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of Hamlin. But as we were walking around Hamlin, I, I was walking on this really, really old cobblestone street. And, and in that street was a, a brass plaque in the, in set into the cobblestone. And it was a man uh, kind of skipping around, it looked like. And that man had a flute that he was playing. And he had rats following him. And he had children following him. Have you ever heard of the Pied Piper? So the story of the Pied Piper comes from Hamlin, Germany. So in the 11 and 1200s, there was something called the bubonic plague. The bubonic plague was transferred through rats. Through, and there was a major rat issue back in those days. And they were just everywhere. The town of Hamlin was having a major problem with rat infestation. So they began trying to take care of these things. And no one could take care of these rats. So finally they got this man that supposedly had, this is the tradition, this man that, that supposedly they, they paid to come in. And he had this, this magical power in that where he would, he would come in and he would play this flute and the rats would follow him, and like, what do we have to lose? Nothing else is working, right? And so they brought this guy in, the, the Pied Piper, so to speak. They brought him in. He's wearing all these extravagant colored clothing, and he's got this flute. And sure enough, he started playing his flute, and all story goes, all of the rats in the town, all of them followed him as he's playing his flute out of the city of Hamlin into the closest river, and they drowned and died. And when he went back to get payment, they did not pay him. They refused to pay him. And he asked over and over, and they continued to refuse to pay him. And so he vowed to take revenge on them. Story goes, he came back one time in the middle of the night. He began to play that flute. And as he played that flute, there were a number of kids that, that, that heard it. And they woke up, and they left their houses and followed him, and he led them out of the city never to be seen again. There's different numbers. Some, some of the traditions say three kids. Some of the traditions say 130. You've got to realize this tradition of 1,000 years ago, y'all. But, but supposedly there is some truth to this. And here, here's why I tell you that story. The enemy is so good at being a Pied Piper. And it sounds so many different ways. So many different ways. And that's what Paul's saying. Listen, there are voices out there. There, there are voices on the phones in the world that, that are out there, and they are, they are alluring, and they sound good, and they sound like they'll lead you to where you want to go in life and lead you to the fullness that, that you think you need in life, but they fail completely. They fall so far short, and that is in contrast. And Paul says, hey, there is, there is a voice of truth. But watch out for the false teachers. Because anyone who offers a way of thinking that is not based firmly and exclusively on Christ, found uniquely in Scripture, watch out. Because that person is selling a counterfeit. That person is selling a smoke and mirrors of the real thing. That, that person, no matter what he's selling, that product that he's selling 
or she is selling, or it is selling, I don't know what that might look like. That product is a subpar product because Jesus is the real deal. He's the real McCoy. And now let's talk about verse 11 and following. Let's talk about circumcision, can we? <laughs> When's the last time you heard a pastor say that? Some of you are like, ooh, some of you are like, ouch. Like, I don't know how your response to that is. But I think it's really important that we don't skip over the truth of Scripture. And uh, if, if we're not careful, since we, we don't really understand fully this idea of circumcision, and because we don't, we, we misunderstand it, and, and we, we miss it. And to be honest, as, even as I say that word, I'm a little uncomfortable. And uh, some of you guys may be a lot uncomfortable uh, right now. But, but in the Old Testament, the idea of circumcision is a really big deal. It started with Abraham, and God told Abraham to, to start this, this circumcision, and it began with him. I'm not going to go into detail of what it is and, and all of the intricacies of it, but I, I do want us to realize what it meant. Circumcision was a sign of two things in the Old Testament. It's a sign of belonging and a sign of entrance. Let me explain that. So God had, God had his people to be circumcised, and, and it, was a, it was a picture. It was a symbol. It was a sign that these are my people. I, I, could, go, I could say it a lot of different ways, but, but in essence, like God's people were set apart. They were considered holy. They were considered his because of this sign for centuries upon centuries. And so as, as Paul wrote this, it meant so much to them when he said he used this term. It was a sign of belonging that, that on the eighth day, the boys would be circumcised. And that had been happening for centuries upon centuries. And that was a sign that we are God's people. We belong to God. This is important. So, so what is, it's a sign, make, make sure you get that. It's a sign of belonging. But also, if you were not born a Jew and you wanted to become a Jew, a Hebrew and Israelite, what would you have to do? You would have to, if you were a man, you would have to be circumcised, no matter how old you were. Yeah, ooh and out, y'all. So it, it not only is a sign of belonging, it is a sign of entrance into the family of God. So two things, a sign of belonging, and if you are not, in, not an Israelite, it is a sign of entrance. I've said sign like already like 20 times. It's so important because here's the truth about circumcision in the Old Testament. It never made people a people of God. It never transferred them where they were not a people of God and not a child of God to being a child of God and not belonging to belong. It never did. What was that that made someone belong to God from the very beginning? It was faith. This is important that we realize this. Circumcision was an Old Testament sign that these people are mine. These people belong to me. And it's an entrance to being in that belonging to him. And as we read verses 11 and following, it talks about being in him. You were, in, you were, you were circumcised without a circumcision, made without hands. Here's the idea. It's like there is a man-made circumcision that is a sign of you belonging. But, but, but it's not a physical act that makes you, and it's never been true. It's not a physical act that makes you belong to God. It is a faith act. Are you with me? It's never been a physical act that makes you belong to God. It has always been a faith act. And so Paul is, is, in, is bringing out this truth. And, 
and, and, and he is affirming the truth that Jesus came to fulfill that. He came to complete that, not do away with it. That was a picture of something so much better and so much deeper and so much more full as that was a precursor to the real deal, the main truth, who is Christ. And so the mark of the people of God is not removing a bit of our flesh. It is removing, and what Paul is describing in verses 11, 12, 11 and 12 and 13, it's not just a removing of a piece of flesh. It is a removing of the flesh. Turn with me to Romans chapter 6. Turn with me to Romans chapter 6. We, we walked through the book of Romans last year. Man, was it rich, y'all. So good. Some of y'all beat me too. At Romans chapter 6, let's begin in verse 5. I know it's not on the screen, but uh, we're just going to use God's word to, to greater clarify the truth for us. For, let's read verse 5 and following. It says, For if we have been united with him, that is in Christ, in a death like this, like being baptized, again, it's talking about being baptized into Christ in faith. If we have been united with him in Christ in a death like this, we shall certainly be united with him in resurrection like his. That's what Paul is saying in Colossians. He's saying it again, that we were dead in Christ and he has made us alive in him. We know that our old self, look at verse 6, here's the truth. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. And so, so faith brings a, a death to the old way, to the sinful, to, to, to the dead self. But faith brings to, to completeness and fullness a life in Christ. Verse 7, for one who has died has been set free from sin. Did you get that? We have been set free through faith in Jesus Christ. We are no longer slaves to our sin. And now if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God, so that you also must consider yourself dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Here's the truth of faith in Jesus Christ. Here's the truth, the greater truth, this idea of a complete circumcision that is in Christ is that we are no longer dead. We are no longer in our sin. We are completely and fully alive in Christ. And so here we're given a new symbol for fullness in Christ. And what is it? What is that new symbol for fullness in Christ? By the way, we're going to practice this in the second service. We have three that are going to reflect this scripture today as we celebrate that. What is that? It's right there in the the passage. It's baptism. It's biblical baptism. Baptism is a sign of belonging. Baptism is a sign of entrance. Are you with me? It's a sign that I belong. I have been changed. I have been transformed from death to life to not being a child of God to being a child of God. Man, I could spend, I could preach a sermon on that, couldn't I? It's, that's such, such good stuff. I want you to note, if you had a pen right now, if you, let's go back to Colossians chapter 2. I just kind of, in, in my, I don't know if you like to write in your Bible. I do like to write in my Bible. But I took note of every time In verses 6 to 15 in our passage today of Colossians chapter 2, every time it said in him, 
or with him. Okay? So verse 6, it says, walk in him. Verse 7, be built up in, in him. Verse 9, in him the whole fullness. Verse 10, you have been filled in him. Verse 11, in him also. Verse 12, having been buried with him in baptism, which you were raised with him through faith. Verse 13, God made us alive together with him. And the end of our passage, he disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. I, I, I always am, am drawn to truth sandwiches. I, I've said that before to you guys. But, but God's word has a powerful and beautiful way of, of, of communicating incredible truths to us. And as I underline those, there's the in him, in him, in him, in him, in him, in him. And then there's with him, with him, with him, with him. And then there's in him. It's like an in him truth sandwich, y'all. And here's why I, I say that. When you are in Christ, that changes everything. All that we've talked about, all of this transformation, all of this hope is found uniquely in this true sandwich, in him, in him, in him. That leads us to walking with him, with him, with him. All goodness is in him. Being in Christ and with Christ makes all the difference in the world. If you grab your notes, I want to give you two things. Very quickly, in Christ, two specific things that I want. I want to just kind of land the plane with these two truths. In Christ, there is victory for eternity. This is like a complete in Christ. We are winners. We are victorious for eternity. That's the scope of what Christ has done. That's the scope of our faith in him and walking with him. It is being victorious for eternity. In verses 12 to 14, it describes the completeness of what Christ has done and the the life that we have in him and and the, the forgiveness that we have in him. It uses the word that I point out in verse 13, and you were dead in your trespasses But God made us alive together with him, having forgiven us, what's the word? All. Having forgiven us all our trespasses, canceling our debt. He has made us alive by canceling all our sins. Let that rest just for a moment. You don't know my sins, but I know them. You know your sins. When Christ went to the cross... He paid for all of them you've ever done. He paid for all of them you ever will do. I don't know how long I'm going to be on this earth, but listen, I'm I'm not walking walking in perfect holiness yet. I'm, I'm a piece of work in progress, and we all are, right? They are paid, listen, paid in full for eternity. The enemy wants to come in and says, look what you've done. Look, look, you tried, but you messed up. You can't do this. You, that's, that's the voice of untruth. And the voice of truth says, you are victorious. You are victorious in Christ for eternity. But what's the price? What's the price for that? I always tell my kids, nothing's free. It may be free to you, but nothing's free, right? What's the price? It says in verse 14, what did he do? 
He nailed it to the cross. He had to go to the cross for me and for you. Our president, Dwight Eisenhower, is also a general as well in the military. He, he said, there are no victories at discount prices. Listen, there, there's, no, there's no victory anywhere else because no one can do what Jesus did. There, there's no one who could pay the price that he paid, but he did completely and fully, nailing it all to the cross. I know you have heard this song before, but I grew up singing this song called Victory in Jesus. It said this, I heard an old, old story how a Savior came from glory, how he gave his life on Calvary to save a wretch like me. I heard about his groaning of his precious blood's atoning, and I repented of my sins, and what's the word? One. I repented of my sins and won the victory. Oh, victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. He sought me and bought me with his redeeming blood. He loved me ere I knew him, and all my love is due him. He plunged me to victory beneath the cleansing flood. But there are no victories at discount prices. Jesus paid the ultimate and full price. In Christ, there is victory for eternity. But I do want you to know this before we close. In Christ, there is victory for today. This, this victory is not only for the eternal scope of, of our eternal life that we will spend eternity in heaven with our God who has created us. It is whatever storm, whatever battle that you face today, today, there is victory in that. If you look at verse 6, 7, and 8, and you look at verse 15, there is this war, specifically verse 8, there is this war of taking us captive. There are these voices of untruth. But as we get to verse 15, it says that Jesus put all those things to shame. They don't even compare to who Jesus is. Whatever empty lie the enemy is putting before us today, listen, we can have victory, but only in Jesus. It was completely true for the Colossians that day, and it is still completely true for us today. There's that verse in Scripture, in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, that the enemy prowls around, prowls around, what does it say? Like a lion seeking to devour. And that's what Paul is saying. But I do want us to note that 1 Peter 5, 8, it says like a lion. Why does it say that? Because the enemy is strong, but he is not supreme. It says like a lion. It doesn't say that the lion. Because there is only one lion of Judah, right? Did you hear what I said about Satan? He is strong, but he is not supreme. That is Jesus. So whatever your battle is today, there is victory today in Jesus Christ. Reminds me of of a story of a girl who says that when the devil came knocking with a temptation, she just sent Jesus to the door. (laughs) Oh, that's so simple. And that's so biblical. And so essential. Whatever your battle is today, whatever that voice of untruth is for you and for me today, listen, there is victory. But it it is not in me and it is not in you. It is in Jesus. We have all that we need if we do what Paul says, if we walk in Christ, if we walk with him. The band's going to come. We're going to have a closing song. How do we do that? That's my question. Like, all that sounds great. How do we walk in Christ? Reminds me of 
Revelation 3.20. I know it's talking to the church in Laodicea. And Jesus says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. I love that verse. I know it's talking to the church. So today's invitation is to the church. It's for all of you who put your faith in Jesus Christ. It is to let Jesus in again. (laughs) And maybe you're here today, you've never let Jesus in your life through faith. Maybe today is that day where you go from death to life and you put your faith in Jesus Christ. And if you have questions about that, listen, I'm going to be right here after the service. Come find me. Also on the connection card on the back, there's a place that says, I want to talk to a pastor. Just, just click, just check that, put that in the offering box on the way out. Let's talk because being in Christ and with Christ changes everything. The great missionary and preacher D.L. Moody We're trying to explain that that you can't get to where you need to go on your own strength. And he took a glass, and he he held it in front of a group of people, thousands of people actually, and he says, how do I get the air out of this glass? One man said, well, just take a vacuum. He put it in it, and you suck all the air out, and all the air out, you suck it out. Suck it out with a vacuum. Suck it out with a pump. And and, and D.L. Moody said, well, you can't do that because if you did that, it'll put too much pressure on the glass and it will just burst. And he took a pitcher of water and he took that glass and he just began to pour that water in that glass until it was completely full. And he said, the air is gone. See, that's a picture of finding fullness in Christ. That's a picture of being in Christ. That's a picture of being with Christ. Do you feel defeated today? Are you in the midst of a battle today? Align your life with the voice of truth today and listen to what it's saying to you. Victory is yours in Christ if you would just let him in. If today you would just let him fill you. Today, would you let Jesus in? Today, would you walk in victory? Let's pray together. Jesus, we thank you for your word. It is good. It is rich. It is challenging. It is so full of truth and hope. God, I pray as your spirit continues to speak through your word and resonates in our minds and resonates in our hearts, God, that you would lead us to to even deeper understand the rich truth within it, God, that you would give us the boldness to practice walking in Jesus, with Jesus this day for our victory and for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray.